A quick note from the team here at Brainstaple. First, we'd love to wish you a very happy Thanksgiving and hope you have a most joyous holiday. Secondly, it is your mission, our valuable listeners, to go out there and educate your family, friends, and anybody that you meet this holiday of how to find a podcast, how to listen to a podcast, and more specifically, subscribe to this podcast. Your support really helps us a lot. And happy holidays. He has killed me. Shoot him. Howdy, you're listening to Come and Take It, a talk show about Texas by Texans, where three friends born and raised in the Lone Star State share their views on the history, culture, and just what it means to be Texan. We're your hosts, Mike Zolkowski. And I'm Sean McIver. And I'm Scott Elfstrom. Let me set the scene for you. A local lawman attempts to disarm drunk cowboys shooting up the town, and the sheriff is gunned down in the street. How about a wealthy cattleman storms into town with his well-armed crew and furiously demands to know what the town's done with his son? A group of local cowhands and gunfighters have a deadly shootout with the law on a dusty street. Well, we've all seen this movie, right? Yeah, Tombstone. No. Cowboys and Aliens. No. Apple Dumpling Gang. No. Shane? No. All of these events actually occurred in a tiny South Texas town from a brutal feud resulting in a shootout that makes the gunfight at the OK Corral look like a schoolyard brawl. Today we talk about the most amazing gunfight you've never heard of, the fracas at Dalyville. But before we start, Scott, what's your favorite Texas town name? I just like the way Pflugerville flows off the tongue. I like Cut and Shoot Texas. And my favorite is Bug Tussle. Mmm, Bug Tussle. We begin our story in Helena, Texas, often known as the toughest town on earth. Today, Carnes County is notable for the towns of Kennedy and Carnes City, but originally Helena experienced a boom as a stop on the trade route from Indianola to San Antonio. Carnes County and Helena in particular were regarded as tough, rough, and lawless. Martial law would be declared here on several occasions during Reconstruction. Now, Helena was famous for the Helena Duel, where two men would tie their left hands together with a leather strap and then attack each other with short-bladed knives in their right hands. These duels were commonly gambled upon and often fatal. It's a much uglier way of resolving things than, than drawing pistols in the middle of the street. I think more feuds should be settled this way, though. More, more disputes. What do you think? Uh, n- no. <laughs> no. <laughs> okay. Okay. Prior to the Civil War, Helena was an important part of the ox cart trade in Texas. And a lot of people don't realize just how important the, the humble ox cart was to the early Texas economy. At the time, there weren't railroads or they were scarce before the Civil War. And ox carts were the primary means of moving cargo from seaports to cities. Contemporary sources actually describe the, these great caravans of ox carts rising off into the distance like smoke into the horizon. After the Civil War, railroads resumed their expansion through Texas and the U.S., and a major part of the Texas' reconstruction economy was cattle driving. Cattle could be purchased for $4 a head in Texas and driven over the cattle trails to the railheads in Kansas and Missouri to be sold for 40 and to be shipped off to meat processing plants in Chicago. Soon there were hundreds of thousands of cattle that were being driven over the Shawnee, the Abilene, the Goodnight Loving, and most importantly, the Chisholm Trails, making many enterprising cattlemen wealthy men. One of these was Carnes County's William G. Butler. William G. Butler is a fascinating character, and he's one of the pivotal points in this story today. William G. Butler was born in 1831 in Mississippi, and he would later move to Carnes County, Texas with his family and 12 siblings at the age of 21. He then married and had eight children himself. 
During the Civil War, he was a member of the Escondido Rifle Company, which mustered in Carnes County, and then eventually became a member of the 24th Texas Cavalry. When the war was behind him, he became a very successful cattle driver, moving cattle from Carnes County to Abilene, Kansas, and eventually becoming one of the most successful cattlemen of all time, sending 100,000 cattle up the Chisholm Trail, which passed through Helena. Butler owned 75,000 acres, he leased another 25,000, and had over 10,000 head of cattle. His land covers what is now modern-day Kennedy, and the family mansion was located near the old Kennedy High School, which is now an elementary school. Butler was a very prominent citizen in Carnes County, but there was bad blood between his family and Carnes County Sheriff Edgar Leary. And this was stemming largely from the wild antics of his youngest son, Emmett. In late 1884, Leary served a warrant at the Butler mansion, attempting to arrest Emmett for horse wrestling and the murder of a black man in Wilson County. W.G. and his sons were away on a cattle drive, but Leary and his deputies forced their way into the mansion to serve this warrant. They disturbed Mrs. Butler and her sick daughter. W.G. was furious at this violation of his family's privacy. According to Ted Butler, who was the great-grandson of W.G. and a Texas state judge, all of the Butler boys had been warned to stay away from Helena by their father to avoid bloodshed, but young Emmett failed to heed him. Weeks later, the day after Christmas, it was cold and rainy as townsfolk celebrated in the many saloons that were operating in Helena. Meanwhile, reports reached the town that Emmett Butler and his friend Hugh McDonald had been drunkenly harassing the Poles at nearby Panna Maria, and were now riding to Helena looking to get back at Sheriff Leary. Around one o'clock, Butler and McDonald rode into town. As they dismounted, Sheriff Leary approached them and ordered them to surrender their guns. McDonald complied, but Emmett Butler pulled his pistol and put a bullet in the sheriff's heart. He was mortally wounded and falling to the ground, but Leary exclaimed to the shocked townspeople watching, He has killed me! Shoot him! Emmett quickly mounted his horse and attempted to flee. Over 40 shots were fired by the crowd, almost all of whom were armed. Emmett was riddled by the barrage, including a shot that blew off part of his head. So in the aftermath, and according to legend, W.G. received word of his son's death while on the trail. Racing home, he rounded up a heavily armed posse of 25 men and rode into Helena. When he reached the town, he confronted the citizens and demanded to know, Who killed my son? But no one answered. How could they? Many had been there and were part of the mob that killed Emmett. Furious, Butler exclaimed, This town has killed my son. Now I'm going to kill this town. And he rode off to plot his revenge. On that day, Fate Elder, who was one of Leary's deputies and was present at the shooting of Emmett, became sheriff of Carnes County. But the feud with the Butlers was far from over. With his fiery red hair and long red beard, Fate was a difficult man to miss, and soon his brother Bud would join him as deputy sheriff. Now, some speculate that W.G. Butler blamed the elders directly for shooting his son. Fate himself, having once worked for W.G., resented the father of the arrogant rich boy who had terrorized the town. The feud was now well established between the butlers and the elders, and only blood would settle it. We now shift the scene to nearby Dalyville, the city on a hill. With the establishment of Bee County in 1857, a need arose to connect Helena to Beeville. A branch was added off the Helena-Goliad Road, and Dalyville, just west of the San Antonio River in southern Carnes County, was founded on it by C.P. Daly. By 1886, Dalyville was a small, well-established town with a post office and a dry goods store. On September 6, 1886, less than a year after Sheriff Leary and Emmett's demise, an election was held to decide if Southern Carnes County would be allowed to have saloons or be dry. During the time since Emmett's death, tensions had remained high between the Butler and Elder clans. According to contemporary sources, the Elders were mean and abusive towards the Butlers, and they stood on opposite sides of the wet and dry issue. An explosion was only a matter of time. And that explosion is the Dalyville Massacre. On Election Day... Butler's son-in-law, Andrew M. Nichols, parked his wagon just south of the polling place. 
W.G. Butler, some of his sons, and 17 of their men, who witnesses say appeared to be unarmed, gathered around the wagon, often called a hack. Unaware of the pending fight, another deputy, Jack Bailey, walked over to speak to his friend Newt Butler, who was another one of W.G.'s sons. Then two Mexican pistoleros who worked for Butler, Juan Coy and Epitacio Garza, rode up and dismounted by the wagon party. Both were known as excellent shots with their rifles and were considered very dangerous men. Fate Elder saw the men and headed towards them. When he saw Coy and Garza brandishing their rifles, he quickly pulled his pistol. Juan Coy ordered Elder to stop, and then all hell broke loose. Avoiding the fire, Elder backed toward the nearby mesquite trees, and he never saw the man who shot him in the back of the head at point-blank range. Although some witnesses would later say this was W.G.'s other son, Sykes Butler. Deputy Bud Elder was inside the polling place when the shooting started. Rushing outside, he began firing at the assailants, but was overwhelmed as a number of Butler's men, who suddenly were all armed, began to gun for him. He was hit several times and was seriously wounded. When the fracas started, Jack Bailey, who had been standing next to the wagon, tried to run clear of the fight to the east of the store. He screamed, Lordy, don't shoot me, as he was hit in the back and the knees. Another deputy, Vivi Bearfield, attempted to shoot at the assailants from inside the store. Storekeeper Kit Daly was hit on the foot with buckshot as he attempted to flee. It was said that Bud Elder claimed he would go for old man Butler if a fight ever started. With the bullets flying, Bud fired two rounds at WG, severing his ear and leaving powder burns. In the end, though, Bud never had a chance. Wagena's men pinned Bud down, waiting until the injured man's pistols were empty before putting a bullet in his head. Local cattlemen Henry and Hiram Pullen were sitting on a fence by the store with Hiram's son Tom when the shooting started. Henry and Hiram were mortally wounded, but Tom escaped to the back of the store unharmed. Coy and the enforcer saw Jack Bailey, stood over him, but then rode away, sparing him from an execution shot. A special telegram brought a doctor from San Antonio to tend Bailey's wounds. He would not name the man who shot him, but on his deathbed whispered something to his wife before passing. She never spoke what he said. Juan Coy fled west, but was captured in El Paso on October 8th. Even the New York Times reported his arrest and extradition, but he never seems to have been tried for the shootout. Eventually, W.G. and Sykes were tried for murder, with the trial moving from Carnes County to Wilson County, and then finally to DeWitt County, but they were acquitted in 1888. Yeah, and our old friend Creed Taylor makes an appearance here as an observer at W.G.'s trial. That Creed has got to be everywhere. So Tom Poland's older brothers, Daniel and William, also set out from Carnes County to hunt down their father's killers. Presumably, they were looking for Coy and Garza. They actually never returned home. Garza seems to have disappeared from history, but Coy, who already enjoyed a fearsome reputation by this point, would meet his end later down the line. As all this was going on, the San Antonio-Aransas Pass Railroad was investigating, building a rail line through Carnes County. It was always assumed that the railroad would pass through Helena, as it was both the largest city and the county seat. However, when the Indianola hurricane passed through, it damaged the test lines and gave Butler a unique opportunity. The railroad had demanded a $35,000 bonus to ensure the railroad passed through Helena. Helena declined and held out, as they were sure there was no other option for the railroad. Butler, who was now free and the richest man in the area, approached the railroad and offered to either pay the bonus or grant free right-of-way across his land for the railroad, so long as the rail line stayed well away from Helena. Upon hearing of the offer, Judge Thomas Ruckman of Helena frantically tried to raise the funds to pay the railroad, but it was too late. The death blow had been struck. The small towns of Kennedy, near Butler's Ranch, and Carn City sprung up on the line, and Carn City became the eventual county seat. With no rail access, businesses and people quickly moved away, and the town quietly died. W.G. Butler had finally had his revenge that he had promised for the death of his son Emmett. 
There's a lot of interesting facts that spring from this story. Tom Pullen's full name was actually Thomas Nolan Pullen. He is the great-grandfather and namesake to one of the greatest pitchers, Texas or otherwise, who ever played the game, Nolan Ryan. And then this story illustrates that the railroad was critical to the lifeblood of so many towns in the late 1800s and early 1900s. My hometown, Normandy, was actually founded when they moved the entire town of Rogers Prairie two miles on log rollers to the railroad head, and they renamed the town after the, the then Texas Railroad Commissioner, Norman G. Kittrell. You know, this story is very personal to me because my mother's family is originally from Kennedy, and my grandmother, Ruth Dabowski, is buried at the Butler Cemetery, which lies in the shadow of where the old Butler house used to stand, right in the heart of Kennedy. After the fracas played out, Kennedy would remain wild. In 1900, it was renamed Six Shooter Junction due to the continued gunfights and violence in the town. This is a fascinating gunfight in terms of the dynamics. It's like a, all of the best Hollywood westerns put together into one giant story. Yeah, I mean, I even see a lot of very direct parallels between the true story here and what they put together in the Tombstone movie. There's no good guys in this. But there's an illustration that these these characters who are real characters in Texas history are complex. Yes, and Butler is a very complex man. There's actually fascinating stories about him standing up to cattle rustlers and organizing the local militia. And he's actually a very, you know, he he was an honorable tough person who lived in a very tough place. I would love to see this as an actual movie. Yeah, I think it, this would be a fascinating... I'd, I'd go see Fracas at Dailyville. Yeah, it has... Or it just has, Dailyville. Dailyville is probably what they'd end up calling it. Yeah, it Hollywood has all of the elements that you want in a, in a Hollywood Western. It really does. Mm-hmm. You know, so... Well, get me Kevin Spacey on the phone. Kevin Costner. Kevin Costner does good cowboy movies. Get me seven Kevins. Kevin Spacey, <laughs> Kevin Costner, Kevin Conroy. Kevin Klein. Kevin Klein. No. That wraps things up for today. You can find notes and links from today's show at brainstaple.com. We'd love to hear from you, so please follow the show on Twitter at Texas Podcast or go to brainstaple.com and leave us some feedback. Be sure to indicate whether it's okay for us to mention you on the show. You can follow us individually, too. I'm on Twitter at Mr. Java. I'm at MacSean with two N's. I am Scotticus on Twitter. If you like the show, please tell your friends, leave a review on iTunes, like us on Facebook. It all really helps us out. We hope you join us next time. And remember that even if you aren't from Texas, Texas wants you anyway. <laughs>